Welcome back to The Balancing Act. I'm Dan Strafford today with, of course, Dr. Andrew Tempty. We're going to talk about the reskilling revolution over the next several episodes. Andy will be speaking to guests about the revolution, the reskilling revolution, and we thought it would be a good idea to, to set the baseline, the foundation for those future discussions. But more importantly, I get to say hi to Andy. It's been a while. How you been, Andy? It has, uh, as as the kids are saying now, it has been a minute. <laughs> it has been several minutes, but you've been good. Things are going well. The podcast, I know you've had some great guests on, more booked in the future. Yeah, we're just having loads of fun, uh, you know, writing the Saturday morning news every week and uh, and having having guests on on the podcast, former colleagues, uh, people I haven't met before. It's uh, it's just so much so much fun. You know, we just finished uh, this whole series on trust and accountability. Yep. Uh, we'll pick that concept, those concepts, back up uh, uh, a little a little bit later. But you know, thought that. We should spend some time talking about uh, reskilling and the reskilling revolution and kind of uh, all things workforce uh, development here for a few weeks. Absolutely. And I think these are, I will use the term buzzwords and I don't want to give it the negative connotation that often buzzword, but these are words, reskilling revolution, upskilling, uh, backskilling, all these things that are being discussed as the, the workforce changes, right? As people are looking for new work, the great resignation, all of these things that we hear time and time again for the specific set we're talking about here with reskilling revolution. What, what is that concept? Um, I know there are a lot of different large organizations out there that have discussed this and have tried to lay some foundation for it. But from your perspective, can you introduce it to the listeners and really give us the foundation to jump off from? Yeah, well, we've been dealing with uh, skills gaps for uh, a long time uh, in, you know, you, you can trace skills gaps uh, back centuries, right? Uh, and as technology changes, skill needs change and skill gaps are created. And then uh, and then education catches up and the gap closes and then we move on to the next thing. Right. Well, we're now in an era where computers will uh, begin thinking at low but ever increasing cognitive levels. Uh, many, many more jobs will be disrupted. And this concept of reskill versus upskilling has really taken uh, the you know the, the the forefront of the of the conversation, uh, and I'll just remind our listeners that upskilling is the process of uh, changing the skill profile of your job within the current uh, role or job, uh, whereas reskilling is. Uh, a substantive change of of the job role and a, and really a, a new set of skills for that individual to do something else uh, in uh, in the in the workplace. Uh, so that yeah, this concept of uh, of reskilling is very important, and the crux of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is uh, questions like you know. Does higher education have a role in the reskilling revolution? Uh, what is the value of of a degree as a signal of work workplace competency versus uh, what later on in our show today we're going to talk about the skill portfolio as, uh, as as an alternative? So, you know, you you hit the nail on the head when you started. You know, the buzzword of of reskilling. Uh, you know and and, and it, uh, you, you'll ask me a follow-up question about what that really means in, in just a second. But you know, is 
are are we just in a moment in time where we've we're just chasing around another shiny ball and there's really nothing new here uh and, and really what is that what is that new if it indeed exists I, I will say, I know you're going to have uh, my former boss, but also former co-host Mike Palmer on soon. We were big fans of the Gartner Hype Cycle. And uh, the Gartner Hype Cycle, For go Google it. There are images out there, but it's a lot of, you know, the rising expectations, the trough on the other side, and then when it gets adop- adopted. And I wonder where Gartner would put reskilling revolution on sort of that map. Uh, it feels like we're at sort of that peak where everyone's into it, everyone's, and then how do we understand it as it comes down and gets adopted into the mainstream of, as you said, higher education, the workplace, how we're thinking about our careers moving forward. If we're laying the foundation here, Andy, what's the most important future skills? Like what are we reskilling towards that anyone listening should be one thinking about, but two, hoping to acquire uh, as they are themselves maybe reskilling for a new career. Yeah, let, let's talk first about the legitimacy, if you will, mm-hmm. of this of this cycle that that, that we're in. And uh, you know, the World Economic Forum. Uh, most people would know World Economic Forum as the group that puts on the Davos conference yes. every year in in uh, in Switzerland. Uh, but they do so much more more than that. And and the future of work and the future of jobs is one of their key pillars. And uh, it's really World Economic Forum and uh, and several of the companies that they they work with that have coined this term uh, the, the reskilling revolution for our listeners who who don't know uh, world economic forum has a very very rich website that you can go to with all sorts of resources they've got the future of jobs report they've got got the global social mobility report uh, that they put out the promise of of uh, the future of work the jobs of tomorrow towards a reskilling revolution. I'm just rattling off yep. uh, a couple of their a couple of their white papers. Uh, but you know, if you're looking for data and you're looking for a real foundation of research to hang your hat on, uh, it, it you know go to the World Economic Forum or the WEF website and uh, and get their perspective on skills and education. Uh, they do a lot in global warming um, and uh, and and global hunger, etc. So really cool place to to get to get familiar with. Now, with that said, World Economic Forum uh, has uh, written a number of white papers on yep. this topic, uh, and uh, and they've uh, started this thing called the Skills Link Alliance, where they're working with large businesses uh, around the world to to have skills be adopted as uh, as hiring mechanisms, and that's vis a vis. Oh, Dan, you've got a degree from blah, blah, blah. That's a great signal of workplace competency. And this is where you whisper out the side of your mouth, uh, not. <laughs> um, and, and, and so is, you know, we're all questioning, is the degree truly a signal of workplace competency? Right. Or can you show up in the workplace with a, with a portfolio of demonstrated skills? Uh, and that's what this Skills Link Alliance is uh, is really trying to get at and and open up uh, and have the market for jobs uh, be much more accessible. We all know that degrees are a challenge for for many people to get from a monetary perspective and a t- and a, a, t- a time a time commitment perspective. Uh, so you know, you and I have talked about. Uh, 
you know, learn to work, which is get a degree and then go to work versus work to learn, which is much more this arc of, uh, of, of the skill portfolio and where World Economic Forum wants, uh, wants, uh, wants us to go. Uh, you asked a very specific question about the skills. Yep. Uh, so let's go to that uh, real quick here. You know, as you might imagine, uh, many of the skills of tomorrow are in categories like data and artificial intelligence, engineering and cloud computing. Uh, but what our listeners might not uh, immediately jump to is that uh, clusters, job clusters like people and culture, product development sales, marketing, and content, those job clusters are at the forefront of, of future jobs. So not all jobs are technology jobs in the future. That's kind of right. uh, point number one here. And the second point is, if you look at the top skills for 2025 or 2030, uh, by the way, the reskilling revolution is all about, we got to reskill a billion people by 2030. But what are those skills? It's like analytical thinking and innovation, active learning and learning strategies, complex problem solving, critical thinking and analysis, Creativity, originality, and initiative, leadership and social influence, resilience, stress tolerance, and flexibility, reasoning, problem solving, ideation, emotional intelligence. So those are uh, one, two, three, four, five, nine, ten, and eleven in the list of the top fifteen skills. Right. Those aren't coding skills. Right. Those are those are human skills. Right. It's uh. It's the arts, but we could talk about that on a separate <laughs> separate subject. And I've said it a couple of times, uh, previous life with Kaplan, it, it's all pendulum swings, right? It feels like there are these harsh swings and we need to find the way to stay in that sort of middle ground more often than these harsh swings uh, that we see in education and in business. Um, people learn and, and those people become... Uh, you know, coaches and, and mentors and book writers and uh, such as yourself who, who share, you know, what they have. But it seems so often that we get that harsh swing back. Now, I will also point out, you you said about the, uh, you know, out of the side of your mouth, not I made the reference right away. And this is very much a pop culture reference. So, so bear with me um, on a Simpsons episode. Uh, Homer once said that uh, having an elephant works in theory and Marge replies, yes, in theory communism works in theory. And then they just jumped on to a whole other story. But when you said that was a lot of colleges, the theory of something, the theory of journalism or or the thought of not the practice of can I actually do it? And uh, I find it fascinating that we're having this discussion. Like, are we getting the skills in college that actually allow me to go do the job or know how the job works or what I need to do Day one, when I sit down at a keyboard or you know a teleprompter or whatever it might be, whatever business you're in. But it's fascinating. Also, we're eight years away from 2030. And you mentioned a billion people with a B, a billion people. That is a gigantic number to think through in a short amount of time. I know 2030 feels like it's flying cars and, and off in the distance, but it's eight years away. Um we don't have a, a global higher education system right now, it would seem, that can handle that. What do you think we need to develop in alternative pathways 
into the world of work and other signals of work readiness other than the degree uh, as we currently know it? Yeah, so... You know, there there are all sorts of uh, research reports of uh, if you know if you ask provosts how ready uh, graduates from their colleges are for the world of work, right. uh, you know, provosts uh, say you know, with ninety percent uh, responses that our our students are ready for the world of work, and then you go uh, interview CEOs about the readiness of college graduates, and you know they they provide numbers that are in the 20, 30, 40 percent uh, uh, believe that college graduates are ready for the world of work. So there's there's clearly a gulf between what higher education believes in terms of the the outcomes or the product that they're producing uh, for for the workforce and their work readiness and what the market uh, believes they're getting uh, from higher education. So that's you know that kind of work readiness gap is certainly something that higher education is uh, is working to solve. But corporations are sitting here at the same time saying, "Wow, the skill profile of the people that work in our business is going to have to change so dramatically. Where am I going to go uh, to upskill and reskill the my my people? Because leaders are also recognizing that uh, it's uh, there, there just aren't enough humans uh, out there with different skill sets that right. they can go tap into in the you know in the open uh, marketplace for talent and replace people where that are currently don't have the skills the skill profile that's necessary. So the old you know the old model was well let's just fire everybody that doesn't have the skill profile that we need and let's go hire new uh, you know. So corporate leaders are saying, okay, so that's not going to work. And what they're recognizing is that we as corporations are really going to have to become the the educators here. We will certainly have to work with institutions of higher learning. Uh, and and I totally totally support support that we need more conversations, not less, between uh, corporate leaders and uh, institutional leaders uh, in higher education. But we've got a real problem with accessibility to the world to the world of work. Right. Uh, you know, the degree and and college that is a really high bar uh, to cross, uh, especially for the disadvantaged the disadvantaged in our in our communities so we need alternative pathways uh, into the world of work we need these uh, we're gonna have Brandon Bustide on uh, uh, in in a couple of weeks here and we're gonna have a much more robust conversation about uh, the you know work to learn models and I, I believe very strongly that uh, we are very far behind in the United States in yep. terms of apprenticeship uh, you know, places like the UK and Singapore are much, much farther along, uh, Australia, much, much farther along than we are in terms of providing a high school graduate or an individual with, let's say, one year of, uh, of, of quote unquote, rounding 
at college to uh, to you know to get the get those great citizen uh, the great citizen benefits that that college does provide. Uh, uh, but you know how how do corporations become those uh, you know essentially lifelong learning institutions that where learning is woven into the business plan and development becomes one of the most, if not the most important thing that a leader or, or, or a manager does. So, you know, unfortunately, our, our high schools are not doing a great job of uh, creating work-ready grads. Uh, data shows that our colleges are not doing a great job uh, creating work-ready grads. Uh, so it's going to fall on, on the corporations to really take that teach and that coach and that mentor uh, aspect of of their role, not not only within their business, but for society uh, at, at uh, for for society at large. So I, uh, yeah, we might be in a shiny ball moment here as it relates to right. upskilling and reskilling, but uh, the enormity of the challenge, uh, e- even if world economic forum is only half, right. Sure. It, it's still a half a billion people over, over the next eight, eight to 10 years that we need to reskill. And we've been talking about remake, not you and I, but sort of the general public about remaking higher education and changing the way learning happens. And what does high school need to focus on? And those are worlds that move slow to be polite. We know that. The, the the changes there are very slow. They're very meticulous. Uh, they're sometimes moving backwards, in fact. So, so there's that as well. Uh, but I, I think the point you're making is a great one of even beyond the outcome, just let's think of this differently. Let, let's look at this in a different way and see if we can get people to the same outcome via a different path. Uh, can we get people to 10 years at Google having never gone to college and now Google's uh, Amazon's of the world are saying they're taking the college degree requirement off of their listings. Amazon, Walmart are doing the, you know, work to learn process work here as a, you know, a 17 year old and we'll help pay for college or you won't have to pay anything for college. It's fascinating. I think there's a lot of movement happening quickly. Um, so I, I, I think we're seeing that the age old, you know, corporation has the money to move it forward, right? They have the ability to move quickly and change some things. You've spent the vast majority of your career in the world of professional education. As we think through this, can you discuss how the world of industry-recognized certifications, certs, whatever you want to call them, can help close that future skills gap and relate to the concept of that skills portfolio that you've laid out? Yeah, we, we've got a real both an opportunity and a real challenge in the current environment. Uh, I don't know if our listeners know this stat, but there are well over a million uh, credentials that are floating around in the marketplace. And these are, these are badges from, uh, you know, uh, well-respected kind of online education providers. Uh, So everything from a badge to a certificate to, to, to a, you know, other kind of credential. And the vast majority of those million credentials that are floating around out there have really no meaning in the hiring process. They don't have the currency uh, that, uh, that, that you need. And what I mean by currency is that I earn this 
business credential and I can trade that for a better job, uh, a, a better position, higher pay, uh, more responsibility, uh, et cetera. That, that credential is recognized as currency in uh, in in the higher in the hiring market, well, step in the world of professional education, which has been at this for you know fifty uh, or or more years. You know, the uh, certified uh, public accountant uh, is uh, is is one example yep. of of a longstanding uh, credential. The AICPA is the governing body. Uh, my my uh, externally recognized credential is the CFA credential. The Chartered Financial Analyst. That's what those are the letters that sit behind my name. And I worked very hard through a rigorous curriculum and an examination process, uh, plus a work experience uh, requirement to uh, to to achieve that. And in the job market, when you're able to show degree plus industry recognized right. credential that really puts you in a different category but that doesn't solve the challenge that the degree is going to take you 4 5 6 years and then the industry recognized credential is going to take even more than that we need institutions like the AICPA like CFA Institute like security the world of securities and uh, wealth management and et cetera et cetera et cetera marketing uh, credentials real estate, yep. Yep. estate etc to be thinking about how they unbundle their current kind of large format uh, industry recognized credentials into smaller pieces that get that where you can bolt on uh, a, a shorter, sharper credential uh, onto another shorter, sharper credential. And all of a sudden, the, the user the, the the employee hasn't necessarily gone to college, uh, but they have a portfolio of right credentials that have currency in the hiring uh in the hiring market and that portfolio should have should carry equal weight uh in hiring decisions and you mentioned uh the the googles of the world that have their their tech certificates uh, yep. uh for example that they're saying you get our tech certificates and you know we're going to treat that uh as if you walked up to the door with uh with with a degree and we we all know that degrees cost uh, far far more than uh, than they should. We have uh, challenges with the amount of time that that it takes to go through. So this process of a kind of unbundling uh, and repackaging the the whole uh, certification process, we can. My the point I'm feebly trying to make here is we can look to the world of professional education for right. examples of how to create credentials that actually have currency. And let's put less weight on all of the, I'll call it fluff and all the stuff mm -hmm. that, uh, that doesn't have currency. Let's deprioritize that and really double down on, it's probably going to end up being a fairly large number, but 20,000 to 50,000 uh, cr credentials right. that a hi that hiring managers managers can actually keep track of <laughs> and 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 award that that hiring currency too. Yeah, you've used the word currency. If I create the the Strafford bill tomorrow, it's a green and has a 10 on it and I go into a store to try to use it, it has no value. <laughs> and so these credentials that get stood up 
they're great and maybe you're learning something, right? Maybe you're bringing skills forward, but if that credential doesn't have a value at a career, at a job, it it doesn't do much. It, it doesn't do anything to, to further your career. I liken it as you're talking to two different things. We hear often about the on-ramp, right? You have to, you know, we need this on-ramp into to the work world. It sounds like you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, putting people on the road at 50 miles an hour and giving them the opportunity to get up to 60, up to 65, up to 70 and into the left lane. It's not the on-ramp. It's not that long, you know, winding on-ramp onto the highway, but it's, hey, we're going to start you off at 50 miles per hour. You're going to learn to build up while you're driving, while you're getting there. Does that make sense as an analogy to how maybe rethinking this is not the on-ramp to the road, but hey, let's let's get you on the road and get you moving forward. And we're going to give you the skills along the way to get up to speed with everybody else. Yeah, and you this this on ramp concept or the the road uh, if the road ahead if you will, uh, when, you know when I when I talk about uh, the you know the UK apprenticeship mm-hmm. uh, system uh, and and others that exist around the world, what, what I'm what I'm really applauding in ter- in the work that they've done is clearly identifying for market participants what the pathway into a particular job is. Uh, Here in the United States, uh, yes, open and free markets are are awesome, but uh, an open and free hiring and workplace market that does not provide market participants with clear information about how to get from point A right. to point B to point C to even start in a in a particular career uh you know, there there was a wonderful article in um, one of the major news, newspapers uh, several months ago about how boys uh, are being left behind yes. in our educational system. And I'm a boy. Uh, you are too. And I, I I'm very supportive of my my fellow my fellow man. And it pains me greatly uh, that. Uh, that our educational system is uh, designed in such a way that boys get uh, disinterested in school uh, m- uh, much faster, uh, and and they get left behind uh, in part because of the lack of these clear uh, and identifiable pathways, right. so that somebody can make uh, make great decisions. There should not be opacity. Right. <laughs> in 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 our hiring markets and and uh, corporate leaders if you're sitting around scratching your head why am i not getting the talent that uh, that i need it's because we as hiring managers and leaders have not done a great job of clearly identifying how to get in where the where's the door how do you get in uh, and 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 then how do you advance uh, w- once you're in it's far too uh, jumbled and uh, I'll, re- I'll overuse the word opaque. Yeah, I, I would say, again, that sounds like one of those pendulum swings where where focus and money and advertising and marketing went towards expanding you know, women in the workforce, women on campus. And they, they didn't think through the pendulum swing. And we're swinging one way and we're going to swing back again. And I just want to find that sweet spot. Why not both? Is There's a great meme out there, the little girl from, I think, a, a food commercial. And she says, why not both? 
and sort of shrugs and let's have both. <laughs> let's think through how to have both, not let's attack one thing at the detriment of something else. Um, I, I, I would love to see in education, especially a, a whole approach. And you hear the whole student discussion a lot, right? The going to school and having yeah. to learn those social skills, the, the STEM skills, the art skills. I, I think education as a whole needs to think of it that way. A whole education, everyone with a seat at the table. I know we're nowhere near that yet, but I'm hoping uh, we're driving towards that both in education, what you're saying about upskilling and and reskilling revolution here specifically. How can the skills portfolio, though, and industry recognized credentials help with what I was just discussing? access and even further affordability? How, how can this change maybe the landscape a little bit of those two things and how people get to the learning? Yeah, well, we've, uh, as parents and as educators, we've done a terrible job over the last uh, 30 or 40 years saying, Billy, Johnny, Stevie, Susie, you've got to get a college education. That's the uh, and and characterized by many as the only way the only toward way. Yep. the you know, toward the promised land. You're getting and, a degree. You're yeah, getting you're, a degree one way or another. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Uh, our, our, our son, Nicholas is the producer on this uh, podcast and we pushed very hard for, for Nick to get a college degree. And in the long term, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be, be the right decision, but was there a different path, uh, f- uh that, that Nick could have, could have taken that was more efficient, more yep. effective, uh, in, into the world of work? Uh, and you know, this, oh, Johnny, you've got to go to college. And then Johnny sits in college for two years and spends uh, and accumulates a lot of debt and wakes up and goes, well, gosh, I, I, I wanted to be electrician, you know, <laughs> and I'd be a lot happier as an electrician and electricians are awesome. I know a lot of electricians and yep. HVAC folks uh, and, uh, and, and, and it's a great career path. Why aren't we making that uh, more accessible, more, 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 more affordable. And, and again, those clear line of sight uh, to, uh, to, to jobs and, 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 and more career, more career paths. It makes so much sense to me, and I hope it's making sense to those who are listening as we discuss through the reskilling revolution. You've already dropped, I dropped one name, you dropped one name of someone who's going to be on to discuss these in the future. One question of sort of uh, content creation here, I think can help the listeners. You're trying to tell a story, right? You're trying to paint a picture of what's going on with the reskilling revolution. How are you going about finding the people to have those discussions. How do you think through, Andy, who are the people I want to bring in to, to hammer home on these points? And, and then we'll, we'll say goodbye and we'll you know, feed into those episodes over the next few weeks. But what's your process there for getting, you know, obviously they're intelligent, they're, they're professionals, they're, but how do you go through building the people you bring in? Yeah, we're we're gonna have Mike Palmer on uh, the next show, and you know Mike does the trending in education podcast, so he's talked to all sorts of folks. So I, I wanted him to be the the next guest for that kind of broad based perspective, what what he's seen, and then we're gonna bring in Brandon Bustide, who has a very uh, higher ed, uh, very higher ed focus, yep. uh, in, you know, in his uh, in his career, uh, but also a skill based so he's going to be able to bridge that gap between corporations and higher ed and then we're going to have Kate Walker uh come in and and she runs uh a, a, a 
uh, presence learning uh, right. on special education, and uh, and then I'm going to bring in some professional educators to talk about this. So th- this is a series that uh, that will take us well into into uh, into April, and uh, and and hopefully we do provide that diversity of of thought so that uh, leaders that are grappling with this skills versus degrees. Uh, 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 kind of uh, concept uh, can uh, can come away with, uh, with with a better foundation for the decisions that they'll have to make on the subject. I'm looking forward to all of them. I may have produced a show or two for each of the people you mentioned thus far, but uh, we can uh, touch on that at a later date. Andy, uh, of course, uh, andrewtempty.com, uh, The Balancing Act, available on Amazon, available uh, where you buy books. Anywhere else people should be looking for content from you beyond this podcast uh, and where they can find it and when they can find it? Yeah, I write every week. I write something called the Saturday Morning Muse, uh, and I, 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 pick, I pick topics that are both timely uh, but also in in the world of uh, of, of of learning and work, uh, the intersection of uh, human skill and technical skill. Uh, so so look for the Saturday Morning Muse uh, released every Saturday. We've got the podcast, and then uh, and then pick up a copy of my book, The Balancing Act. There you have it. And uh, obviously, you are listening to this podcast, but you'll want to subscribe. You can do that on whatever app you are listening to. You can also check out, uh, as we said, andrewtempty.com. Uh, be sure to share, too. Uh, this is uh, not just something for you to keep to yourself. You want to share it with the masses and get people thinking a little bit differently uh, about how business can really lean in to this reskilling revolution, how businesses can lean into learning overall and really changing the landscape uh, of how employees grow. Uh, how they mature as employees, and how maybe they move on to that next step in their career uh, in uh, both learning about work, learning about themselves, and and learning about how to interact with one another. Uh, Great episode, Andy. Appreciate uh, being back on with you. And don't forget, you can listen all the time to this podcast, The Balancing Act.